I love the music of Christmas. More than 40 years ago, as a young music teacher, I spent weeks preparing multiple choirs in our district for their various Christmas concerts. And it was without a doubt the favorite part of my job. Over these next few days, I want to take a look at the nativity, that night when heaven and earth kissed. I want to look at it through the lens of some of my favorite carols. For many of us, in a few days, we'll attend a Christmas Eve service. And no matter where we are, it will most likely end with all of us singing Silent Night. Silent night, holy night. Year after year, this is the most beloved carol of all. I think it's because it touches something deep inside all of us. Instinctively, we understand there's something sacred about silence. It's almost otherworldly. Silence connects us with what is both outside and beyond us. (laughs) Now, more than any other time of the year, The Christmas season reflects the paradox of our lives. It's both the busiest and most social season, and at the same time, it's it's when there's an increased awareness of our really existential longing for silence. Why is that? I think it's because silence is the environment that God uses to speak his word to us. One of my favorite contemplative writers, Henry Nouwen, wrote this. The Word of God is born out of the eternal silence of God. And if we think about it, that really makes sense. From the beginning, silence was the sacred space of God's living Word. John's Gospel begins with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God first spoke the the very first creative word out of total silence when he said, let there be light. This was a silent beginning. Silence, and then God spoke. The unchanging triune God continues to speak out of silence. I was reading this week again out of 1 Kings, Elijah's encounter at the mountain. And here he is at the mouth of the cave, and this is what happened. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
and after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. I love the way that is expressed. God then spoke to Elijah from this place of silence. Elijah needed to get beyond the noise of the wind and the earthquake and the fire in order to hear the voice of God. David knew this truth intimately. Psalm 62, 5, he says, For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. You know, I've always believed that that immediately following Jesus' death on the cross, after the words of the centurion, surely this was the Son of God, I believe there was a profound silence that settled on the scene. Because I think silence is the environment for both God's creation and his salvation. Silence is the place of God's communion and creation within us. Contemplatives from across the ages agree on this. Solitude and silence are at the foundation of knowing Christ. You know, all foundations are built deliberately with great intention. It becomes a deliberate choice that I live out my daily decision to pull aside and be silent before Jesus. This is the silence that forms me. This is the sacred space where he meets with me. This is the place of invitation where he says, be still and know that I am God. There is an interior side to silence that even in the midst of the many distractions, especially those that we face at this busy time of year, in the midst of those, there's a silence that can create for us a prayer room that we take with us wherever we go. From the solitary place, into the activity of our lives. So today, in the midst of so much stimulation, let the words of our favorite carols, the nativity scenes that decorate our homes and the shops around us, all that they point to, let them remind us once again of the sacredness of silence. O little town of Bethlehem, the silent stars go by.